Welcome to the Mavens Do It Better podcast. And now, your host, Heather Newman. Hello, everyone. Here we are again for another Mavens Do It Better podcast, where we interview extraordinary experts that bring a light to our world. And I'm so thrilled to have Dave Banks on today. We met a while ago now. He's an award-winning photographer and social activist, and I could go on and on and on, but Dave, say hey. So. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) thank you for having me. I really appreciate it, Heather. I'm sorry it's taken so long to get to this point. Uh, that's okay. You know what? I was I was like, I'm not going to let it go because I think he's so neat. So, <laughs> well, I'm coming to us today. I don't even know where this beautiful picture is, but um, I just moved. And so I'm surrounded by boxes. So I put up a background. And uh, so Dave, and I'm in Marina Del Rey at my HQ. Where Where are you? Uh, I'm in Big Bear City. I'm just east of the lake in Big Bear. Okay. And I too just moved. I bought the cabin in November. And oh. the boxes are on the other side of the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. I know. I was like, yeah. no, that's not good. You can't. No, no, we can quarantine. What else do I got to do? Well, I got to put things up. I got to. Right. I'm, right. I'm, yes. I know. Yeah. So how, how are you doing? I mean, we are. It's it's so interesting, you know, when this time we're dealing with COVID-19 and in quarantine, shelter in place, stay at home. And, and so you're in Big Bear and you just moved. So you're, you are unpacking, I would assume. So, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm actually doing fine. I have my two dogs. They're both rescue dogs. Frank, uh, named after Frank Sinatra and Augie, named after Ogden Nash, the poet. Oh, so, cool. Yeah, we're a literary uh, household here. Fantastic. So. Yes, that's great. Yeah, no, I know. It's, it's a wild time and, uh, Big love to everybody out here who's listening and hope everybody's staying safe and doing well. And, but yeah, it's also about keeping on, keeping on really, you know, having good conversations and telling stories and that's the whole point of the podcast. So I appreciate you being on today to have us talk about you and your story a little bit. So yeah, um, you. you're welcome. We met at uh, the Women's March yes, a couple years ago and yes, uh, that was super cool. And he's, you know, hanging around and taking photos. And I was like, who are you? What are you doing? And and so we got to talking. And um, so will you tell everybody what you were? Well, I, I volunteer with the Feminist Majority Foundation mm-hmm. uh, in Hollywood or in Los Angeles. Right. And um, uh, since I'm somewhat retired and I'm not really retired, uh, I've <laughs> taken my skill set and I use it for as a social activist. And that's what I do. So uh, and I got involved with them only because I could I could really identify with women. My mom was a single mom in the 1950s, yeah. and so uh, it it presented itself to me uh, the struggles that she went through in that period of time. And she later became the exec uh, an executive one of the first executive women for Pepsi Cola in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Wow! And I would hear her come home and tell stories. Well, at that time she had remarried the best dad I could ever want, Paul. And um, it, it, and so I knew, I knew the struggles. And, uh, and so I've always been conscious of, of what women have to go through, uh, especially in business, the harassment and all of that. So I, I, uh, I decided to volunteer and that's how it came about. And so anytime they need any uh, uh, photographs or whatever. I didn't help them put together uh, the displays at the gala that they have once a year. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's it's whatever you need me to do, I'm there. 
That's so um, cool. Yeah, and so I, I do that, and I'll recruit other uh, people to come in. Uh, I'm, in I'm involved in the news and entertainment business in Hollywood, so I know a lot of PAs, production oh, okay. assistants. Mm-hmm. So I would say, hey, I'll pay you, but I want you to be involved with this. Right. What we what we do for a living is really a blessing. So let's let's pass it on to other people and right. volunteer, and I'll help pay for it, uh, pay for your time and all that. So I've upstarted some photographers, uh, production assistants, and all that. So and I keep an eye out for people right? because I genuinely love people. Yeah, that's so cool. And you were we were talking before, and you'd said that you were helping with the photo archives for. Is it Ms. Magazine? Oh, uh, yeah, they, they, uh, the Feminist uh, Foundation uh, uh, owns uh, or runs Ms. Magazine. Yeah. So I, their editor, uh, photo editor and editor is in D.C. Mm-hmm. And so they would call me and say, do you have this? And so I have a Dropbox. I put the, inf- the images or the video in the Dropbox, send them an invitation. They use it. And so, and I get these spreads, you know, the op- you open it up and there's a nice spread. Ah, that's so cool. Okay. So I, I try to utilize the social media as much as I can with limited <laughs> It's like, am I doing this right? I don't know. <laughs> You're great. You're Dave Banks Media, right? Yeah, like the, that's my website, DaveBanksMedia.com or yeah. uh, in Banks. It's the same thing. Yeah. And so, cool. uh, but it's you know, it's Instagram. And I was on Facebook, but I have a problem with Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My apologies. And that is, I don't like my information being sold. I don't want to, I don't want advertisers or content and that type yeah. of thing. So I, I know that Instagram is owned by Facebook. <laughs> I'm just putting images up. That's all I'm doing. Right. And I write these little stories called Life in the City of Angels. Yeah. That's, uh, that's little stories about different people that I run because, run into because the, the culture here is so mixed yeah. with cultures, and I just find that fascinating. And, you know, I spent 17 years on and off in the Middle East doing news and documentaries. Right. I the war in Afghanistan in 2002 as a solo journalist, ended up working for the Department of Defense, finding stories for them. Mm-hmm. So it's, <laughs> it, 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 I just find that the cultures and the people are much more interesting. Yeah. And yeah. I feel, and I come, I used to work for ABC Network okay. back in the day when Sam Donaldson was a real, the real news. Yeah, yeah. At ABC Network News, and I did work for them. Uh-huh. And I, it's so lacking nowadays. Yeah. Real news. And that just, that really bothers me. So, yeah. I try to work as I can. I know. So you're contributing. I know. I love. So it's Dave Banks Media on Instagram. I love the life in the city of angels. And so there's the photos and he writes little short stories about who they were. And like they're yeah. so great. It's so fun. Everybody has a philosophy for living and that type of thing, which is what yeah. I'm my blog is exposure and otherworldly morsels. Yes. And so there's a little more detail in that. And um, it's actually Life in the City of Angels is my second book. I got published by a UK publisher for Q the Camels. Q, C-U-E, as the right. stage manager with Q the actors. So it's Q the Camels. And they're just little different chapters, little different stories. And if you don't mind me kind of 
promoting this, even though I don't. That's what this is about, Dave. Well, Absolutely, so, I wanted to, you. We want to tell everybody about all the cool things you have on the okay. world. So yes, so, do it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I had this publisher in the UK. Well, I ended up where I had to get a, um, uh, I guess they're called a barrister or a lawyer in yes. the UK to get out of contract because they wouldn't distribute in America. Oh, because okay. they felt that they the distributor in America was asking for too much money. So, and I just <laughs> so I'm rewriting the book, adding more chapters. But one of the things, and we want to talk about technology, is yeah, I put in QR codes at the end of some of the chapters. Okay. So after you read the chapter, you could take your phone, scan it, and it would take you to a video of what I just wrote about. So that you know that I wasn't lying. <laughs> <laughs> There's no fake whatever here. That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. And so I thought that that kind of innovation would really be picked up, but it hasn't yet. But you know, I'm I'm patient. But I've got three books uh, that I'm working on: okay. Cue the Camels, Life in the City of Angels, and Atlantis of the Sands, which was a foot race that I covered uh, across the Sahara Desert which was really interesting. And the people and the characters, and I just, I love this. And I have video of all of that. And wow. so in that QR code at the end. Yeah. Me, so wow. Was, you must have like the largest Dropbox ever. <laughs> right. Well, well, thank you, Heather. You're uh, welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> No, it's, you know, it's, I just got, I got a few things on it, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but that, I mean, when, okay, so when, when, when did you take your first photo? How old were you? And what kind of camera? I just posted on it. it, it okay, so my first camera was a box camera, an Ansco box camera that my grandmother gave me. Um, there is a photo of me on my Instagram. Uh, I think in Tennessee or somewhere and I'm standing there and I've got my little box camera and when oh, I, I got it yeah, yeah. <sighs> oh my goodness and that that kind of changed my life um, because I I have a learning disability okay dyslexia now okay. in the late 50s and, and then there's during the 60s nobody really knew what dyslexia was mm -hmm. and so I I had to really, I really struggled, but uh, I, I went to school in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and went to Will Rogers High School, <laughs> Will on the Hill, and yeah. it's really interesting because there, there's always that one teacher that we can all say really changed things. It was my senior year. I was a DF student because I just couldn't write. Right. Here I'm writing books and I got published, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I uh, Mrs. Radcliffe who's no longer with us, was the English teacher. And she knew that I was bright, but she just, she knew that I had a learning disability. And my mom really helped me a lot. She, you know, she would hire a cab to come and get me at school and drive me to Tulsa University to a reading lab. Oh, wow. to figure out what's, you know, what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, so Mrs. Radcliffe let me film my papers. Oh, wow. And so I went from eight millimeter a super eight millimeter and I'd bring my films, a projector and an album so I could narrate over it. Oh my goodness, wow. And, and, and it was just that one, that one teacher, you know, that just, that just, that just made everything change to everything, so. 
Yeah, those are those moments. We were talking a little bit before about that. It's like those people, but I, there are all kinds of things, right? It's that that one person that just like you were yeah. going one way, and all of a sudden it's like, whoop, okay, right. right on. You know, that's super cool. Yeah. Oh my goodness, you have a, there's so many. A, a, so you're so I want to go back to your Sam Donaldson comment about news and stuff. So for you, when you were saying that. Will you expand on that a little bit about sort of the real news and, and about like that kind of reporting? Like we talk about what you mean by that? Yeah, I'll have a perfect example for that. Yeah. Okay. So um, the access oil pipeline protest, North Dakota, Standing Rock. Yep. Uh, very, very little any national attention to what was going on. That access pipeline is going over uh, a waterway, which basically is the water for several cities down down river right and nobody was covering it and then when i saw what happened with the uh, young woman conducting the interview getting hit with a rubber bullet uh i went there so while i'm there i was there for two months wow. living out of my kia <laughs> wow oh, i gotta tell you a kia sorrento is probably the best car I ever bought anyway so <laughs> <laughs> they have and, dance, right? and i could i could, i'm six one put the seats out i could actually sleep in it and I, I got through two blizzards there wow and uh so i'm there and then uh i think it was uh cnn santa cruz with a correspondent there okay they get there well there's twenty thousand people in Osseti campground Mm -hmm. There is thousands of veterans coming to protect the water protectors. They're not protesters. They're water protectors. Yeah. And uh, and the story that they came up with was what was going on at Media Hill, which is where I was parked because it was the highest point I could get two bars on my cell phone to upload things. Right. And they were doing a story about how we were generating power by using this bicycle. And I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. You come out here all the way from New York City, yeah, to a story, and you're sitting here on a bicycle talking about how you're getting power for the people here to charge their phones when the real story is down there by Backwater Bridge. Yeah. They hosed with fire hoses and were shooting people with rubber bullets. Wow. That's the story, and you're doing this. Right. And that's that's a perfect example. Right. The other problem I have, because I covered the Middle East for so many years, is yeah. whatever happens in the Middle East directly affects us here. Yeah. We have hardly any coverage of that at all. Right. And so because of the Internet, I'm able to go to French 24, which is English-speaking news, BBC, Jazeera, mm -hmm. um, uh, Al-Jazeera. Al I'll catch whatever news I can get that's not so concentrated on what the Kardashians are doing. So that's 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 the fear that I have is that the news is not the news anymore. And one of the biggest things that I've noticed, Walter Cronkite back in my day, yeah, I'm I'm from old school. I remember Walter Cronkite. Oh, okay. uh, he would say tonight's news. And then at the end, that's the way it is. And that's how he argued. If you watch the news today, whether CNN, MSNBC, uh, Fox News, they don't say news. They say, on our show tonight. It's a show. So wow. it's a word. Yeah. yeah. So there's a big difference that they've gone through um, with, with giving it the title of news. 
Words are important, right? The words have weight. Words, words when we say them out loud, yeah. go in the universe and do things and all of that. And you're right. right. It, it, they do say show and not news. Yeah, they don't say the news. Yeah. Huh. That's a big distinction, I think, for sure. It wow. is for me. I don't know if other people catch it. I don't know if other people really care. I just know that there may be out there somewhere Yeah. that that they know subconsciously, that the public knows that they're not getting real news. If you go to MSNBC, which I watch, and I'll admit it, and uh, it is heavily political. I mean, it's it's like, well, here's, but it's truth. But it's all about politics and what's happening in the country, about Trump and everything. But there's this world over here that they're not talking about or, or discussing. Yeah. And I, I wish they would integrate more about what's going on. It's basically like sports radio. Yeah. It's all about the stats, the players, right. the trades and all that. Well, yeah. now we've got political uh, right. radio shows basically. Yeah. And, uh, sure. So it's, it, but there's, there's this world outside of America. Yeah. And, and having traveled so much all over Europe and the Middle East, uh, it just, it just, I just find it, I'm almost lost for words that that people aren't aware of what's happening in the world that's around us. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. that, that's one of the big failings that, yeah. that I've seen. I think Vice, uh, the New York Times uh, Weekly, that show that they have, those are really good stories. Right. I mean, great stories. They just don't have that mass appeal, I yeah. guess. But right. sometimes, you know, we have to take medicine that we really don't want. And I think news should be the same way that sometimes you just got to present it and say, this is the way it was. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. It's a bit myopic for sure. You know, very, tunnel yeah. Vision. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have to ask you, cause I saw it on your arm. You have a beautiful compass tattoo. Oh yeah. Is that what that that's is? A... I was like, Oh, I saw that. That's uh, that's basically, um, because I travel so much, and yeah, I, I even have a compass on my watch. And oh, like, yeah. <laughs> and people think it's so weird, and that's okay. But if I'm out shooting stills, I want to know where the sun's rising. I want to know where it's, it's sitting. Mm -hmm. So it helps me with the lighting. I don't, you know, and so it, it really helps. But I've also found that having this, when I want to take candid shots of people, mm -hmm. I don't want them staged. Um, right. I... I at first, I'll go here, and what they do is they look directly at this and not into the lens of the camera, which I think is very effective. Yeah. You know, and so, what's he got a compass on it? And so it, it creates, and it creates a conversation. Yeah. And I'll go, well, you know, where have all you been? Well, then I'll go, well, I'm working on my other, and it's, I'll have all the passports. Wow. And, That's uh, awesome. so... Oh, will you show it up again? Because I was talking. Here's some good camera. You talk. Oh, well, this is uh, the Middle East. I'm going to, I'm not, obviously, I'm not finished with the tattoos, but um, it's it's all uh, passports. Wow. As the crow flies. Uh, it's such an Okieism, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
I I, know, I say things like, oh my goodness, and whoopsie doodle all the time. I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. Some, some friend of mine was like, you sound like a 50s housewife sometimes. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> Who cares, you know? But, yeah. That's so cute. I love it. No, that's, I'm so glad I spied that. Yeah, it, I think there's another, and there's a little motive behind this. My mom, uh, as you know, Heather, is, um, it has a severe dementia. I say, I, I actually say that it's Alzheimer's because sometimes she just doesn't know who I am. She's 94 years old. She's in hospice at this moment. And uh, with I noticed her dementia in the early stages when she was still um, lucid. And I I got power of attorney. Thank God I did it at that time. And it just made me think about my own life. And it, because uh, I have good genes and my family lives a long time. <laughs> and if I start losing my mind and I can't remember, I can always look at my tattoos and go, oh yeah, that's right, I used to do that. Right. You know, I mean, I know there's a, that's just a little motive, I think, behind the tattoos. So, yeah, I love them. They're absolutely gorgeous. That's so fun. I was I'm was so glad. I, yeah, I'm like, I'm glad I spied that. Well, let's talk about the Middle East a little bit, because I, I'm like, oh, what was your first trip? And and how did that how did that all come about? Because that, that, that's kind of fairly intense. I would yeah. imagine. Uh, you know? it, it, it actually I kind of fell into it. Um, when I was with ABC Network, uh, I was doing Why World of Sports, which some of the older viewers probably remember those days, Why World of Sports, which was sports that didn't involve a ball. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So I was doing mountain climbing. I was doing mountaineering. And so uh, and I'm an old rock climber. I don't do it much anymore. Well, I don't do it at all. Let me just be honest. About it. <laughs> and... Uh, and, you know, I've climbed Yosemite, uh, Red Rocks, I mean, all over the West. And so um, I would get these gigs. Well, I, uh, I left ABC in 1985, but I had the skill set other than just pointing a camera and finding stories. And so it, it kind of came, well, you know, who can we get to go over the Middle East and do this? You know, they have to be self-sufficient. They got to do this, be able to do this. Mm. Oh, you know, Dave Banks will do it because he does all this other stuff. And I just sort of kind of kind of fell into it that way. And uh, <laughs> and that's how I ended up in Afghanistan in 2002. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> There's a photo on my Instagram and on my um, of me dressed as a Pashtun. And I drive a little white uh, Toyota pickup around the country before it went crazy. Yeah. So, I would assume, so how, how, you know, how dangerous was it? Did you ever, were, were there like close calls for you? I, stuff that you will want to talk about or whatever, but you know. Well, I don't mind. I mean, yeah, I got diagnosed I, after, and two, I got off the road in 2004. Yeah. And I was diagnosed by my physician uh, that I had PTSD. Because what happens is you have an accumulation. Right. Not just one event. One event can set it off or release it in a sense. And so uh, I went to therapy. I've been clean and sober. May 25th would be 35 years, so I couldn't self-lubricate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, good for you. And so, and I knew that because my sobriety is incredibly important to me. And uh, so uh, I went to therapy, and I did a lot of writing. I would fill up spiral notebooks, front page, back page. It was a wonderful book. 
called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. <laughs> okay, you know the morning pages, man. Yeah, and the therapy and going to 12-step meetings, uh, I was able to deal with it. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. I, you know, but yeah. I think that the, the dangerous parts, I, I didn't, there's a psychological thing that happens when I have my 35 millimeter or my digital camera. Right. Okay. Or, or a beta cam or a, or a video camera or whatever, or, mm-hmm. you know, I have my notebook out and I'm finding names and that type of thing. It's, it's being given the opportunity to record history. Yeah. It's not an adrenaline drug. I'm not an adrenaline junkie. Mm-hmm. I just feel compelled that I have an opportunity to record history. And that is really freaking important to me. Now, I'm at that age where I think about my legacy. Well, you know what? I'm pretty okay with what the legacy is because I have been active about it for a, quite a while now. Yeah. And whether I'm donating time, money, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's what I'm going to leave behind to my next generation. Yeah, I know you're the uh, when we chatted, just uh, you know your passion and your heart. Just I was like, this guy is super <laughs> cool. <laughs> and I was just so interested in yeah what doing so, and it's you know it's it emanates off you, and that's neat, you know. And well, so yeah, just, and I, learning about you too, I was like, oh my goodness, wow. So well, it's, you know, I mean, I'm, I've been lucky, really. I've been blessed. I mean, I, you know, I'm a kid with a learning disability with a high school education from Oklahoma. Now, you know, how do you, you know, but there's a, now you know this, there's a certain work ethic that we have where we grew up. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. my dad used to say, if you don't show up 15 minutes early, you're late. And so <laughs> I'm, I'm the first one there and the last one to leave because that's just the way I was brought up and yeah. I take that responsibility. Yeah, my Midwestern, same, same, you know, work ethic, be on time. And, you know, like, and, you know, my mother would, I mean, my room was never a mess. You know, she's, I think she's worn out like 15 vacuum cleaners in her life. And like, you know, just. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> my vacuum cleaner's right down the hall there. So I'm right. right? I know. It, it's driving me a little bananas that I can't like quite put things away right now because I'm so busy right. with work, but. Well, it, it certainly prepared me to be single. Let me tell you, I keep a decent, clean place here. I mean, I got to tell you, even with the boys running around. You know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's awesome. So um, so you also do music and performance photography, too. And so I have a theater degree and a theater background. And so I was looking through your stuff. Will you talk about what you've done in, the, in those realms as well? Because uh, you've done so yeah, much. Yeah. I've shot probably... <laughs> When I came here in 1975, I was fortunate at the right place at the right time to get on with ABC Network. As a result of that, uh, I was able to do shows like, and some of the people probably won't know what this is, but Lawrence Welk. I love, I use, uh, Lawrence Lawrence Welk was my grandmother. I watched it religiously with her. So Mm -hmm. I ended up shooting that American Bandstand. Oh my goodness. You name any group, and I'll tell you that, Yes, I photographed them. I shot them in the studio. I've done American Music Awards. I've done, you name it. I've done almost every award show you can think of. And again, that gave me the money to go out and do my activism. Right. And, so, and a lot of people uh, at the time, uh, for instance, I was on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno 
when I was doing coverage in the Middle East and doing Afghanistan, nobody at the show knew what I was doing. So when I would come back all beat up and sunburned, because <laughs> you know, and Jay, who wrote the forward to my book, oh. Camels, always thought, uh, hey, where's Dave? <laughs> and and the stage manager, Mike, would say, well, you know, he's freelance. You know, he can, he can book out and he'll come back. Oh, okay. Because I have a very uh, audible laugh, and I think that's why he missed me. Uh, but Jay always thought I was out in Pacoima shooting a story about a new dog run or something. I mean, nobody knew until I actually got off the road and the book came out that I was doing all this other stuff. And the music part of it is, I, I was with U2 Zoo Tour, and I shot that tour oh, wow. on um, just about every group you can think of. I mean, it's just, I mean, I, it's too many to even. Sure. Yeah. 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 But I, but in my travels, I collect, I go to bazaars, I go to markets, I'll buy these CDs. One of my tricks that I learned early about traveling in the Middle East, I had a, uh, a an extensive shoot in Egypt. And I was doing a bunch of stuff for History Channel mm. and all these documentaries, archaeology, which I love. And I, uh, before I went, I, I looked up who was the most popular singer in Egypt at the time. And it was a gentleman by the name of Omri Dia. Mm. And he did a song called Habibi. Okay. And so I learned the song phonetically before I got to Egypt. And so I get to Egypt and we've got, and again, old analog technology. I have ammo cases everywhere of gear. And so we're loading up and I got this van tram with the painting of the pharaohs and the, you know, Egyptian script on it and all that, just pointing out, hey, there's a tourist in here, you know? And so, so uh, the driver, we're going to um, the White Desert um, and we were driving through Middle Egypt and he, he made his own tapes, he put his tape in, I'm sitting in the back, there's like five guys, Egyptian, big burly guys, barrel chested, you know, the beards, you know, smoking Egyptian, Cleopatra cigarettes. They, I kept one of the packs because I just thought that was kind of cool design. And <laughs> he puts this tape in, and guess what song it was? It was Omri, uh, Omri Dia singing Habibi. I stand up in the back <laughs> and I started singing as loud as I could with Omri Dia. And the driver almost, I mean, he's like looking in the mirror. He swerves, <laughs> almost hits a car. The guy in the front seat smoking a cigarette, turned around, and the cigarette dropped out of his mouth. <laughs> and just going, oh, there's this giant white guy in the back, and he's singing our song. And at that moment, we became brothers. Of course. And so, it, you know, and after the end of the shoot, they took me back to Cairo. And we were getting, I was unloaded, got everything packed. And they kind of disappeared. They came back and they gave me um, a water pipe to mm. take home because we would spend the evenings uh, mm. <laughs> smoking apple tobacco, uh -huh. drinking green tea, <laughs> and watching Arab soap operas. And I was learning Arabic okay. a little bit at that time. And so, and they were crying because I was leaving. Aww. You know, and I've always said, and I've, I've written this that, you know, music um, is really the needle and thread that sews us together yeah. as humans. Mm -hmm. And uh, it is so true. It is so true. Absolutely. That's such a cool story. It's our universal language, right? Yeah, so. it is. You know, 
uh, Anthony Bodang. It was food. Yeah. But look what he did. Look what the stories. Yeah. Now that is real storytelling. That is real journalism because they're sitting over a dinner and they're talking about what is happening in their country at that moment and how it's affecting that family. Yeah. Because these big issues are so abstract to the general public. Yeah. It, it needs a personal story so people can relate to it. And news organizations nowadays don't understand that at all. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I think we have, we're longing for it. I know I read this really interesting article about, you know, like what's going to happen next, you know, like, are we going to, there, there's a, there's a quote in it that calls this the great pause. Mm-hmm. And it's like, are we going to just go back to exactly the way it was? We, we, no. we won't be able to one, no. but like, but we have choices to make here. I think, yeah. you know? Yes, we do. We do. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm very optimistic. I think this is going to motivate a lot of people uh, not to be, you know, so lazy, which mm-hmm. I think is a good word to use for it. Because they're yeah. just darn lazy mm-hmm. and get involved because it's inconvenient. And that's yeah. another thing I think that, you know, and this is my own political statement, you know, yeah. guys don't email me because I'm not going to read it. But, <laughs> you know, we need a national holiday. Why not make President's Day a voting day? Period. Everybody. I mean, I, you're, I'm, anyway, I don't want to, I don't want to start. Yeah, no, fair enough. Fair enough. I, I think that lazy, I also think that, you know, the, it's noisy. We go at a pace that is so intense, you know, that, you know, this, you know, some people, you know, it's like I have friends that are like, oh, I'm bored or this or, you know, I'm and, and you know, it's like finding what to do with your time. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do you choose to spend your time? Time yeah. is energy, time is money, time is everything, right? right? You don't get time or good health back. Right, right. I'm working on a story now that I've been wanting to do for a while uh, in Los Angeles. And I just find it so interesting, and the contrast in this story is so cool. Yeah. Um, I, I uh, wanted to do this story about these burlesque performers in Los Angeles. Oh, cool. Okay? These yeah. burlesque performers are young women of all shapes and sizes. They're proud of who, they're doing, what, who they are, what they do for a living. I think of it as an art form. Yep. It's performance art. Sometimes it, the satire, political satire, is hilarious. Yeah. And so uh, when the, this whole quarantine started, guess what they're doing? They're making masks. Yeah. They're making yeah. masks. Yeah, because they and probably sew their own costumes all the time. Right? Yeah, because they're doing their own costumes. So I contacted one of them. Her name is Lola Lemix. Okay. <laughs> her husband is Aaron, who's a puppeteer. Okay. And they're good people. And yeah. – uh, I said, I need to order some because I want to send them to where my mom is because it's in Oklahoma. They probably don't have a lot of money, you know. Yes. So we, I ordered, uh, two, I think, two dozen uh, masks that she made and uh, sent them to them. And they sent me back photographs, uh, text photos uh, from, uh, from the, uh, from the uh, memory care uh, center. So, it, you know, it's... It, they, in a way, they're on their own activists. Yeah. And, uh, so. That's super cool. Yeah, yeah. I I went to the first Miss Exotic World that was in Los Angeles. In Nevada? Was it? Oh, no, no. Uh, in, uh, no, I'm sorry, Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Yeah. 
yes. um, Miss Exotic World. This was like 2006, maybe? Yeah. And it was uh, Margaret Cho and Elvez uh-huh. uh, were the hosts of that. And so, yeah, I, I have lots of friends in the burlesque. Right. Right. And I love it. It's such an art form. It is art form. And and, and they use it politically, which I love because that's what they were doing in ancient Greece. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea until I started researching this. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, I've I've been to the museum in Las Vegas. Yeah. One of the shows here, and there's been a huge renaissance here in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. for this. And and if you talk to the women and you get to know them, uh, and there's male performers as well, which the women in the audience absolutely go nuts over. Yeah, boylesque, uh, right? I'm sorry? Boylesque. Oh, yeah, boylesque. That's it. <laughs> and, it's, and it's just, but these are really good people, but they they have a passion. Yeah. But I remember one time the host came out and she had written the phone number to the local congressman on her stomach. And I just, <laughs> this Bring is, it yeah, yeah. You can't make these. No Hollywood writer could make some of this stuff up. I mean, yeah. it's just, and they're and they're. It's a tight group. I mean, they can't yeah. each other. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, that's cool. where do they perform mostly? Uh, the El Cid is the one I've been going to. It's uh, once a yeah. month at the El Cid, and it's yeah. called Bees and Boobies. Okay. Ginger Lee Bell. You've got to look up Ginger Lee Bell. Okay, she, that sounds familiar. Uh, she's she's uh, medium height but round. But she is the sweetest thing, and she pulls it off, and it just, yeah. it just it, it's just amazing the 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 honesty that's within that whole community. Yeah, in each other because they help each other. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like the military: leave no man behind. Mm-hmm. They're the same way, and I just I, nobody knows about it, and I just find that interesting. Yeah, yeah. I've I've met a lot of Miss Indigo Blue is in Seattle, and I've met a ton of them. Dirty Martini and yes, and, uh, yeah. and Bob from New York. You know, like they're great. And yeah, yeah. it's and it's so creative. I mean, I the a gal came out one time and she she was dressed as a hula dancer. You know, the the little hula dances you get that you stick on your whatever. And uh-huh. literally, she she came out and they they pushed her out and she was on this thing and she clicked this thing and the lamp turned on <laughs> and. I was like, and it was huge. And I was like, this is amazing. And then, and then they like put, put on some, you know, the, the, what's the, it's just the night, the, the slower music, right? Yes, Hawaiian music. Yeah. Yeah. And then she like went into like Tahitian Polynesian, like the, the shake, you know, that stuff. It was amazing. And it was so creative and yeah. so neat. Well, Lola Lamings comes out and her husband helps her, Aaron, mm-hmm. and she's a candy apple with a stem. Oh my goodness. What? I mean, and I mean, with the cellophane. Yeah. I mean, she takes the cellophane off, and oh, then she takes so a slice cool. of her apple out, and there's seeds on the the detail. And I'm telling you, I mean, the the value of entertainment you get for your buck is unbelievable. Yeah, it's original material. It's not yeah. a sitcom that you've seen with different actors, different costumes, mm-hmm. over and over and over. Oh again. yeah, it's amazing. I I went to Dita Von Teese's New uh, New Year's Eve. Right. Uh, show with my fella. It was so fun. You know, like, yeah. No, that's yeah. so cool. I'm so glad you're doing that and giving them some, uh, you know, story, yeah. story yeah. in the world. Yeah, it'll probably be a little longer chapter in my Life in the City of Angels book. So, but. Hey, well, that's awesome. That's so exciting. That's cool. When do you think the City of Angels book is going to come out? Oh, 
I don't know. I've been writing it for years now, and I've been oh, okay. things for years. And uh, it's I want to get Cue the Camels back out there. And yep. I got the contract back. It's mine. I own the title. I sent okay. it in Congress, uh, Library of Congress type of thing. And so mm -hmm. I registered it. And uh, and it was just, you know, it's it, and it's not a uh, testosterone-driven book at all. Yeah. Uh, okay. It's, you know, because Jay told me when he found out that I was writing this about my experiences, and once he knew where I was going, he said, mm -hmm. uh, you know, whatever you got to do, you got to make it funny. Make, don't be afraid to make fun of yourself. And I go, okay, so, so, so I would, so I, I, it's, you know, I've had more responses from women readers than I've had from male readers, oh, which I, when it was out. Yeah. Know, and, yeah. Uh, I can't so, wait to read it. I want to get my hands on a copy. That sounds fun. Oh, I can't wait. Yay. Yeah. I, they sell it on Amazon, but my God, they're, they're so expensive because I was just charging 20 bucks for it. Now they're, uh, one is like going up in price and I'm going, Wait a minute, who's making the money on this? Yeah, right. You're like, I haven't received a dime. <laughs> this like, wait a minute. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I, I was thinking about pitching it as a, uh, um, a, a series, and it would be sort of like Mash meets The Office. I mean, you know, it just, you know, it's, yeah. you know, the photographers and the, and the audio guys smarter than the correspondents. <laughs> <laughs> I've had that experience, you know. <laughs> so, I'd watch that. That sounds awesome. So, yeah, yeah you got to yeah. get that pitched out there. Oh, no. Something. Oh, my goodness. Well, I could talk to you for hours, and I want to talk to you again when we're not doing a podcast because that's super fun. And, oh, sure. Uh, yeah. Sure. It's so great. I, you know, I mean, I, we, I was like, gosh, with your social activism and winning awards and then you know in and out of retirement for all the good stuff that's really exciting you know yeah. thank you for bringing it to the world yeah. you know for so long and in so many ways it's so cool yeah thank you thank you it's just you know i'm just doing what i know to do yeah oh, that's awesome well i'm gonna give you my last question then how about that okay okay <laughs> what <laughs> For now, um, no. Uh, so we were talking earlier. We talked a lot. You know, both obviously, story is important to you. It's important to me, and moments in our lives and sparks. Um, and so, my last question is always: If there was a spark or a moment, person, place, or thing, something that you would share with our listeners that really suits you and you, who you are in this moment, what would that be? There's actually two of them. Can I answer it that way? Of course. Okay. Okay. I grew up in Oklahoma, uh, green country, uh, rolling hills, lots of trees and everything. Uh, when I was a kid in 1962, 64, I went to see Lawrence of Arabia. I was there all day and all night <laughs> as a kid. My dad had to come in and get me out of the theater. Wow. Because I, I, I had no idea what the world looked like at that point. Uh, this was before high school. And later, when the photography thing really started taking over, when I was in high school and I was doing these little movies to graduate, <laughs> uh, Gordon Parks, a photographer, photojournalist. Okay. And he did, he did movies, he did photography, but he, there was a social activism behind his photographs. Okay. And that, that had a big influence on me. Yeah. yeah. So... That's cool. I'm going to have to look him up. I'll put that in the show notes so people can go see it. So that's yeah. cool. You know, oh gosh, I, do you know um, Victor Skrivnetsky, who was the photographer who did all the Chicago Film Festival 
uh, like Orson Welles with really dark and. and oh, no. I, I may be familiar with his work, but I may not know who the photographer is. Yeah. 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 So many people I've run across over the years. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, he just, he, I was trying, I love, I have a poster of his hanging in my house. I've had it forever. Uh-huh. And recently because of the podcast, I was like, oh my gosh, I should try and get him. And um, he's, he, uh, unfortunately he literally just passed away two weeks ago because he was 90. And I was, I was like relentlessly bugging them, you know, for the like the last six months. And I realized probably because he was not doing so well, right. that I really wanted to try and talk to him, you know? Yeah. 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 It was one of those. I was like, rats. But anyway, so, yeah. I, I, if, if you're a photographer, you have to know every other photographer, though, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> there's only, I mean, nowadays there's so many of them. I mean, you know, it, it, you know, I mean, I know a few, but. I'm teasing you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> one of my favorites, though, and it's a TED talk, oh. is, uh, James Natsworth. I probably mispronounced his name. But okay. he, he, he really put it in good words about the value of the camera as a social, social activist tool. Ooh. And I really, you know, I've even taken the, the, uh, the uh, script of what he wrote, you know, what he was saying, and I kept it. And I read it on occasion to remind myself just how important this job is that yeah. we've given ourselves. You know, it's my responsibility. It's my job to get that abstract issue out there but in a way that people can relate to it yeah that's cool so you had a third look at that something you read a lot yes that's awesome well uh you're a delight and thank you again for what you do in the world it's so inspiring really yeah and it's super fun to talk to you and your cute dogs Yeah, they're out in the yard barking right now, so I gotta go get them. Okay. All right. Well, Dave Banks, thank you so much for being on the You're show. Welcome. Please stay in touch. You you've got my contact. I have your contact information and uh, we'll we'll chat with you then. We'll do that thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we'll have have my uh, people call your people. To do, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sounds fabulous, darling. Yes. All right. All right. Uh, Thank you, Dave. Everybody, well, that has been another episode of the Mavens Do It Better podcast. And here is to another beautiful day on this big blue spinning sphere. And with wishes that we all stay safe and healthy and big love. Thanks, everybody. The original music on this podcast was created by Jesse Case.